for worshiping with you again. Um, I know many of you, and I don't really need to give an introduction, but there, there are a few faces that are new. In fact, there's lots of faces that are new. So um, I'm just going to give a very quick introduction before I start. So my name's Rhonda, as Jason said, and I'm from Dungannon, born and bred. Um, and I started coming to VCD back in 2005. So I've been part of this community really for about 13 years. Um, and but you haven't really seen me around for really the past three years because I've been living and working in Uganda. Um, and I'm working with an organization called Jenga, uh, Jenga Community Development Outreach. And it's a, a Christian organization. It's a non-profit charity um, that works in really the urban slums and rural villages of Eastern Uganda. Uh, the organization is made up of a great group of national employees. There's it employs 40 Ugandan staff, and then also quite a big group and a growing group of international volunteers. And we all work together to serve the people of the town and district of Ambali, where we live. Um, and my role there has really been working with schools and working with teachers in particular, um, and really working in the area of teacher training and in the area of, of early literacy. So. That's really what my main role is. Although sometimes you will find me and lots of the volunteers just doing things when the need may arise. So doing lots of different things that you would never have expected. Um, and one of my main roles sometimes, I think I've become one of the Jenga drivers, um, which is quite fun actually. <laughs> yeah, but it's a busy organization. Um, it has a lot going on. Um, it's a busy office. They work across lots of different sectors, across water, health, education, business. Um, and they also partner with many local churches in the area. And really their heart is to bring development and the gospel hand in hand to the people that it serves. Um, so I'm home for a few short weeks um, to visit and we'll be heading back in a couple of weeks to, to Uganda. And it's been really good being back. It's been lovely to reconnect with people and to reconnect with family and with friends. It's been great watching the football. I also think that England's going to win. Um, and I'm looking forward to next Sunday. Hopefully they'll be in the final. Sorry, Davey. <laughs> um, and it's also been really nice being home and enjoying some things that you miss when you're out there. So I'm really enjoying driving on smooth roads. And I know your roads, you don't think that they're smooth, but they really are. Um, so it's lovely to drive on smooth roads. It's also lovely to eat eggs with yellow yolks because lots of the yolks or lots of the eggs in Uganda have white yolks and the chickens aren't very well nourished so they don't really give very nice eggs. So I'm enjoying yellow yolked eggs. And the other thing I'm enjoying is people who queue orderly. It's really nice. <laughs> we really know how to queue in this country and it's great. Um, when you go to the supermarket or when you go to the market in Uganda, it can be a bit of a free-for-all. It can be quite stressful sometimes, actually. And I was in Newell's stores last week, and I went in to get milk. Um, and I, I got to the till and I had everything else, but I forgot to get the milk. So I'd, I shouted up my sister. I was there with my sister. Could you get me milk? And the little lady behind me said, go and get milk, and sure, I'll keep your space. And I, I just thought, oh, that really blessed my heart because <laughs> you would never do that in Uganda. So I'm really enjoying orderly cues. Um, but that's a very quick introduction to begin with. Um, so over the past couple of weeks, we've been starting a new series in church called My Story um, and living the story that you want to tell. And Jason has been reminding us that 
Each of our own personal lives tells a story and that often our lives are shaped by the decisions that we make um, and the, the, dis the disciplines um, and the habits that we practice. Um, and those are the things that we do day in and day out. Some of them can be good for us and some of them maybe not so good. And, um, but ultimately, they help to shape our stories. And he was encouraging us, like he's already said, to start one thing that would really make a good impact on our lives and on our stories, and then also to stop one thing. And as I was preparing for this week, um, preparing for today, and um, thinking about, well, what was the things that I had to start and the things that I had to stop to live the story that I'm living today? And really, the one thing that I had to stop um, was I had to stop giving into fear. Um, because I had felt led to do what I'm doing for many years, but like all of us, we always have fears and the what-ifs that roll around in our heads. And, and too often, I think I'd given into those fears. And one of my biggest fears actually was, what will people think? Um, you know, what will people think when I leave a settled life or when I leave a good job to go and do what I'm doing? Um, but I had to stop giving into fear if I was going to um, do what I felt God was leading me into. And then the thing that I had to start doing was I had to actually start really trusting God that he is the God who he says he is. And he is the God that we read about in this book um, and that he goes before us and that he comes behind us and that he can do immeasurably more than we could ever imagine or dream. And, um, and I had to start believing that he would actually do that for me. Um, and so that was really the one thing that I had to stop and the one thing that I had to start. And like Jason was saying last week, often those things are not external things. Sometimes they can be. But often it's things in our own mindset and in our own thinking. And that was definitely the case for me. Um, but our stories are not just formed by our decisions or our, our disciplines. They're continually being formed by many things. So if we are a Christian, if we're a follower of Christ, then they're being formed by the scriptures. They're being formed by the Holy Spirit. Um, and they constantly lead us um, and point us to Jesus. And our main verse for the past couple of weeks has been, Hebrews 12, verse 2, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Um, so yeah, I mean, our stories are constantly, stories are constantly being formed by, by the scriptures, but our lives are also formed and shaped by others. Um, the families that we come from, the schools that we went to, the communities that we belong to, the towns and the nations that we live in. Um, and my story has been greatly impacted by, by the leaders and the people of this church over the past number of years. And right now, it's being formed by the people that I work with in Jenga and by the people of Uganda. Um, and yeah, as I work with them and as I live with them, they're helping to shape my story, just like the people that you work with and the people that you're also um, living with and, and doing life with are also shaping yours. So I thought what I would do this morning is actually share some stories of the people um, that I'm working with and really share what God has been forming in me through them. So um, the first person that I want you to introduce you to is uh, somebody called Asad. Um, I first met Asad back in January 2017. And I explained earlier that sometimes you get to do jobs just whenever the need arises. And one of mine often is a driver. And on this morning, it was that case. I was just being a driver. Um, 
I was asked to drive two of our health workers into the village, uh, Jazzy and Kate, and we were going to pick up Hassad. Um, we went in the Jenga pickup. The Jenga pickup has been named Lazarus because it keeps rising from the dead. <laughs> it's about 25 years old, um, and yeah, often it breaks down, but it keeps going. So we went in Lazarus to pick up um, Assad, um, and we were really bringing him to the local hospital in Ambali. Jenga had been asked to, to support his family, care for him by another partner organization. And we, when we picked him up that morning, he was lying on really the floor of his house. It was a small local house, so really it was a, a mud hut with a thatched roof. Family was extremely poor. Assad couldn't walk, couldn't straighten any of his limbs. He couldn't sit up. He didn't have the strength really even to hold his head up, and he was severely malnourished. And often when there are many mouths to feed in a family in Uganda, families have to decide who is going to get the food. Um, and often if someone is weak and ill or maybe... Um, yeah, the decision sometimes is made is that they don't get as much food. Um, and so the reason that we were collecting Assad actually is that he was severely malnourished. And so we were bringing him to a ward in the hospital, the malnutrition ward that Jenga helps to fund along with the government. Um, and often when children are brought to this ward, it's really an attempt to save their life. So they really are at risk of dying. And I don't know what age you think Assad is. I don't know if anybody wants to hazard a guess. Seven, okay. Assad is actually 22. He's actually 22 years old. So that's just what a life of severe malnutrition does. I thought he was about eight. And I didn't really believe that he was 22 years old. I've never seen someone who's been so severely malnourished. Um, and when we actually got him to the hospital, his family didn't really have any hope for his life. And in the end, they abandoned him. Um, and so he was left there really under the care of Jenga. So um, what happened then was Jenga was able to find a foster family. Um, they were able to find a family that would take him in. And he stayed in the hospital for a few weeks. He was given a lot of food and a lot of um, nourish for nourishment. Um, and he started to grow in terms of he was strong enough then to hold up his head and to sit up. Um, and you can see that he's really made huge progress and it's hoped actually that in a few weeks that he, with a walker he will be able to eventually walk at some stage so um, his story looks very different from what it did whenever we first picked him up so that's the first person that I want to introduce you to the second group um, are just groups of girls um, who are part of a ministry that we run in Namatala Namatala is one of um, a huge slum area on the edge of Mbali where Jenga works. It works in three main areas, and this is one of the areas where it works. Um, and these are a lot of young mums that I've had the privilege of working with over this past year. Many of these girls have not really been able to finish their education um, for lots of different reasons. Most of them come from extremely poor families, and many of them are single mums, and they have no way of earning income for their children. Um, and then their lives just continue in this cycle of poverty. But what our, the Daughters of Destiny ministry aims to do is to really um, give them some training and some skills that they can earn an income from themselves. So they're trained in hairdressing or tailoring um, and also in cooking. Um, and what I've been doing, I've been going along each week and doing some adult literacy with them. So some of the girls can read the 
got to secondary school and they, they got to gain those literacy skills. Many of them can't. And so I went along and did some adult literacy with them every week. Um, and then I was also doing some Bible teaching with them. And then this really is photographs of their graduation ceremony. Um, they graduated in March um, and they all received a certificate. And, um, you know, this is not a recognized qualification. It's just a certificate from Jenga to say that they've completed a one-year vocational program. But just the joy on their faces to see whenever they receive that certificate. And it was even more humbling just to see the parents. So this is a mum up here. Um, just She was so proud to see her daughter receive something. These families just have no hope that that would ever happen to their children. And so to see some of their children receive a certificate like that um, really gave them a lot of hope that really belief that their circumstances can change. So that was um, the Daughters of Destiny. Here we're down, just cutting the cake. Okay, the, it's okay. The next, the next story that I want to tell is of a 12-year-old boy called Bosco. Um, and he's also from Namatala. He lives in similar conditions to Assad, who we first talked about. He lives with his sis three sisters and his mum. He did attend nursery school, but he hasn't been able to attend school um, really since that. His family are just too poor to send him there. His mum is a single parent. She has HIV, and she often has really poor health. Um, and Bosco also has brittle bone disease, and he also suffers from epilepsy. Um, and so often what he does on a Friday, on a Friday, the local government allows people who need to beg to go into the town centre and to... That's the one day that they are allowed to actually beg. So Bosco goes every Friday and he begs for his family for their kind of their income for that week. And what he does, he'll give most of the money to his mum, but he keeps a little bit back and then he goes and gets the treatment that he needs to, to keep his epilepsy steady. So he goes and buys his own medication because, of course, there's no NHS. Um, and so that's really what his life looks like. In Jenga, many of us... We're coming across Bosco whenever we were working in Namatala, and I first met him whenever I was with the Daughters of Destiny actually doing the adult literacy. He would come in, he would see the Jenga vehicle, and he would come in, um, and he would just come and join us for, for the literacy. He would just come and sit down. And so some of the mums started to teach him a little bit, and he just enjoyed being part of the group. Um, and, but we really felt that if we didn't try and support him and get him into school, um, now that it would really be too late and he probably because he is 12 years old so we really tried hard to get a sponsor for Bosco so we've got a sponsor for him and he was actually due to start school in June for the first time at 12 years old 12 years old he was going into primary one um, but actually he fell and broke his leg which happens often when you've got brittle bone disease so he's now currently in plaster um, and we hope so the Ugandan school year um, starts in February and ends in, at the beginning of December. So term three begins in January. So we hope that he will be walking again, that he'll be able to start in September. But if not, then hopefully he'll start be able to start next year. So that's Bosco. And then one of the last stories that I really want to talk about is um, a new project that Jenga has been doing called Loved Children's Centre. And this is Bex. Bex is from England. Um, she's been working with Jenga for about four years, living and working in Mbale. Um, and she has such a heart for Namatala, the, the community that I was talking about. There's 30,000 people living there in, in really poor conditions. Um, 
and there's a lot of unemployment. Uh, many people, really their main way of making income is they brew, home brew really, it's called waragi, um, and then they sell it to generate income and that means that it leads to a huge problem of alcoholism um, and Bex and a lot of the Jenga staff work in the area just began to see the damage that was doing to the communities and to the families. There was high rates of domestic violence. Um, people were unable to work because of addiction. And so what they actually did was Bex and some of the Jenga staff set up two alcohol groups in the community for anybody who wanted to be set free, um, one for women and one for men. And what they would do is they would just use the AA program that we would use here in the West. And then they would also just take time to share the gospel and they would also just take time to pray with the people. Um, and the women's group really started to grow and they actually began to see some women being set free and they started to go and try and get work. So they would maybe go to local farmers and, and offer to dig in their fields or to sell vegetables. But then what that meant was a lot of their children was being left alone. Um, so we find like three and four year olds maybe looking after their baby siblings. And so it, just the children were left in very vulnerable situations. And so what Jenga has done really through the vision of Bex and through um, her hard work and her fundraising, they have just opened up the very first care, daycare center in Namatala for vulnerable families. So you can see this is the center. Um, it was just a building that they rent and they transformed it on the inside. These are some of the children asleep and these are some of the children as they eat. Um, um, and so it's not just giving them safety, it's also providing them with food that probably their parents or their mothers, because most of them are single parents, um, couldn't provide for them. And it's also giving them medical help as and when the need arises. Um, and I spent some time with them uh, back in March when they were opening and I did some a little bit of training with them. The, the children go from not right up to three and so they were doing some just nursery stuff with the children as well, getting them ready for school. Um, and if you go to the next slide, so this is the team of staff. Um, they're a great team of staff. They're very, very dedicated. Um, and yeah, most of these people, a lot of these people didn't have work either. They didn't have constant work. So the center has also given them work. But I just want to point to this lady, Mama Mary, with the headscarf. So Mama Mary actually was one of the um, biggest home brewers in Namatala. So she made most of the home brew in the area and was how she made her income. She sold it. She had a bar from her home um, or she run a bar from her home. And she started to go along to the Jenga program. She got set free from her addiction. She doesn't drink anymore. She gave her life to Jesus. And now she actually runs the program. Um, and, and she actually is also the cook at the children's home. So she now cooks, cooks meals for the children. Um, and there are 32 children at the center to date. So that's just really a few stories of the people that I come across and the people that I'm working with. Um, and I could keep going and tell you story after story of what people face in Mbali. And I, I don't tell you these stories to really stir up pity or to stir up compassion. But the reason I tell you them is that there is a thread running through each of them. And I hope you've spotted that. Um, and that's the thread of hope and the thread of restoration, really, in the midst of brokenness. Proverbs 13, 12 tells us, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick but a desire fulfilled as a tree of life. 
you know, regardless of where we find ourselves living, whether it's in the developing world or whether it's in the developed world, you're going to find brokenness, broken hearts, broken families, people who've suffered loss or sickness, um, people who hunger for food or hunger for love, people whose hopes really have been deferred. But as I work and as I serve alongside Jenga, um, and as I work and serve alongside the teachers in the schools, I think I'm more convinced now than I ever have been before that Jesus really is the hope of the world, that he is the answer to all of the brokenness that we see in the places that we live, and he's also the, the answer to the, the broken places that can be found um, in our own hearts. In Isaiah 11, verses 1 to 12, it says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Isaiah speaks of this branch that would bear fruit, a shoot, a shoot that would grow really from a dead stump. Um, and I was reading a book recently by a girl called Katie Davis. She actually also works in Uganda. I mean, I've never met her. Um, but in her book, she, she was just asking this question, is this what hope looks like? That we could look at a, a stump that's dead and no longer bears life and expect a shoot to grow? That we would look at the impossible situations and expect new life? And that we could look at these seamless, seamlessly hopeless situations that I've just described um, and expect life to come from there. You know, a child born into absolute poverty um, with no prospect of going to school and no real hope for his future, or a young disabled man left malnourished um, and expected to die, or a group of young mums who've been ostracized by their communities um, with no way of earning income, or people that's been addicted to, to alcohol that's really destroying their lives and destroying their families' lives. Can we look at all of those situations and expect new life? Um, and the world, I guess, would look at it and think of it as being foolish to look at a dead tree stump and expect a branch to come. But really, that's what God has for us in Jesus. Um, he looks at hopeless situations. And when we invite him in, he brings new life. And that's just something that the people at Jenga has really been reminding me of um, and that doesn't mean that when, when I work with Jenga or whenever Jenga steps out and, and does all of these practical things to help and actually is the, the hands and the feet of Jesus, that there aren't challenges along the way. Um, like when you get a sponsor for a child and then they fall and break their leg and they, the process is delayed. Or when you bring a young man into hospital to get medical help and his family abandons him or whenever you are running a vocational program um, to help young mums and the, the premises that you hold all of the activities on is sold and so you have to find somewhere new to, to run them. Um, and so there's always going to be those challenges no matter what you try to do. But in despite of it all, God really is still at work and, and the healing, he's healing the broken, he's redeeming the lost and he's re rewriting stories so that they have a different ending to what to what they began with. And we sing this really simple worship song in Jenga, um, and it's really become one of my favorites. It's called, um, We Are Serving a God of Miracles, I Know, Yes, I Know. And it's a really simple tune. We usually sing it with no music and just a little African drum. Um, but it's just such a reminder that we really are serving a God of miracles. And it has been such a good reminder of me. I think sometimes in the Western world, when we 
live in a more self-sufficient society doesn't mean that life isn't difficult or we don't have our challenges, but that sometimes we forget just how much we really do need God. Um, so over the past couple of weeks, we have also been looking at some Old Testament characters in Scripture. And this morning, to really bring together everything that I've been saying or everything that we've been talking about, I really want to look briefly at the story of Abraham. And he really, this is actually one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, many of you will know the story of Abraham, how God called him from the land of his fathers and brought him into a new place, um, the land of Canaan, and how God had spoken this promise over his life of how he would be the father of a multitude of nations. But there was one problem. Abraham and his, his wife, Sarah, had no children, and um, they were now both old. Abraham was 100. And so the details of the story can be found at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, but I'm not going to read from that section. I want to actually read from a few verses in Romans, Romans chapter 4, 18 to 25, and this is the New Living Translation. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the, from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. So Abraham has been called the father of faith, and, and I can see why, but if I put myself in Abraham's shoes or in Sarah's shoes, I'm not sure that I would have um, still believed or still hoped the way that they did. Um, he was 100 years old, Sarah was 90, and she had been barren all her life, and it, but yet it says in Romans that Abraham never wavered even when there was no reason to hope. So he squarely faced the fact that both his age and the barrenness of Sarah made it humanly impossible for this promise that God had spoken over their life to be fulfilled. And yet, even when there was no reason to hope, the kind of hope that's based on human potential and, and human belief, but Abraham believed in hope, the kind that sees beyond the circumstances to rest on the promises and the ability of God. And that doesn't mean that Abraham believed perfectly all of the time. Um, when you read their story in Genesis, you can see the times when both he and Sarah doubted and when they tried to intervene themselves. Um, but God, but, but ultimately he kept his faith and he kept hoping um, and just kept believing that God is the God that he says he is. Um, and God counted it as righteous to him for his belief. And so that's really something that God has really been speaking to me through, through that story, through the lives of the people in Jenga um, and the people in Uganda. Um, just this message of hope, again, that God is able to do what he says he will do, and he's really been encouraging me to live from a place of hope, um, especially when you are there, and you do see so many more challenges than, than you would see here, maybe, 
um, or maybe the challenges here are more hidden is maybe a better way of saying it. But, um, and you think, well, how will that ever change? Um, but actually, God does work and it does change. And so I just really want to finish um, by really encouraging you to also allow hope to rise up in your own stories for whatever you're facing, hope um, in Jesus that he is able to do um, the unexpected. Um, last week, whenever I was writing writing this, or during this week, whenever I was writing this in my kitchen in Kiliman, I um, was actually making a cup of tea and procrastinating. And, um, and I found this little card that Louise, who's, who's living there at the moment, has stuck in the kitchen. And it said, hope is the raw material from which faith builds the house. Hope is the raw material from which faith builds the house. And whenever we allow hope to rise up within us, it really does help to strengthen our faith and to build our faith. Um, and that's what the staff in Jenga have been really teaching me. Um, and I just want to finish with this very last verse. Um, and it's Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So that's, I just want to hand back to Jason. A phenomenal talk, wasn't it? Absolutely brilliant. We're so proud of Rhonda and all that she's doing. And uh, she does have her own obstacles and uh, health problems, but she's not here to talk about that. She's here to talk about hope and the transformation that God's making. I just find it very courageous, inspiring, and hopeful. So we're going to do a little ministry time now, if that's okay. So when we stand to our feet, um, sometimes uh, I just had a sense this morning before I came out the door that, you know, 